Hi, um, Alicia and Kane. This is in Singapore. Hi. Hi, guys. Where are you now? So where, Alicia where? has actually slimmed down a lot. <laughs> well, I don't know when you saw us last. That's possible. No, I'm looking at the pictures. <laughs> Maybe the pandemic has helped you with the home cooked food, right? Well, I mean, pre-pandemic, I was pregnant, so definitely during the pandemic. Okay, yeah, you know, um, you know, I, I usually do this uh, to welcome my guests like five minutes before, so that we have this like five minute of um, chemistry time, so that when you go on air, either on TV or on audio, um, we do sound like you know friends. We do have this energy and this chemistry, which you guys are are, are professionals and number one. I mean. Um, I, I just want to tell you that I am really honored to have both of you um, on my show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Kane, I mean, I've seen you. I've watched you in action. Um, it's, so it's so incredible you... to, to, to talk to you personally. Um, it's, an, it's such an honor to have you, Kane. Thank you. Did, did you... Did you um, did you meet us online, or did you come through an event that we did in Singapore at one point? Um, no, I I meet you um, during the pandemic because you were giving. I think you have this collaboration with Wealth Mastery. Yeah. Um, yeah. Her, and her name is uh, Patricia, I think. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I went online and took up some of her courses, and I followed you. Um, I would have to say, you know, this is offline, but you know, when I first came in, I am a little bit skeptical. You know, being in the industry, and I've been a trainer myself for 20 years because I've been teaching entrepreneurship and and branding for 20 years. But in traditional classical schools, in the polytechnics, and you know myself as an entrepreneur. But I would have to say that um, I, I, it's my my personal testimony that people should um, come to your class and stop all these mainstream classes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just so thinking that you, you know. Who are, who are out there, um, um, you know, they are, they are telling themselves, you know, it's, a, it's such a competitive world. So I, I'm glad to talk to you and uh, before, and I don't want to waste any of your words because your words are gold. So I'm going to like translate this online um, so that we don't, we don't waste any of our time and your words. But it's going to be like 50% um, personal as a couple and then 50% business. How about that? Sure. sure. That's that's fine. Uh, you know, actually, I'm just I'm just thinking we should actually probably raise up the um, yeah the, the, computer. the computer. Hold on one second. We'll just raise it up. It'll give a better visual for you for the video. I'm writing down my questions. Um... Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, that's much better. Um, I, I do my podcast in Singapore and in France, but I'm kept here because uh, of the pandemic, you know, international flights are closed and I don't want to risk the airports, um, you know, this is, this is a very strange time for mankind. So I'm just <laughs> going to go on um, and welcome you guys, um, right, this is already recording. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the house of uh, Talk About Life. And this is a uh, YouTube and podcast that you can listen to for, to over 30 countries and 
growing and we're we are podcasting from Singapore live sunny humid warm but always welcoming to the world um, we are at the crossroads of humanity right now in the middle of vaccination for the world and what a strange world we are in and today I am so honored to have um, industry rock stars um, Alicia and Kane as a couple to come on um, and I would think that the pandemic has done some good. People have gone through reflections and gratitude and people have pivoted. Um, people have actually done a lot of soul searching in this um, pandemic times. So I welcome uh, Kane and Alicia to sunny City State Singapore. Would you, would you like to say hi to everyone? Sure. Hi, everyone. We actually <laughs> love, love, love Singapore and we miss it because because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to be back in now over a year. Yeah, we used to come about every 12 weeks to Asia and tour and present and uh, train. We've trained tens of thousands of business owners from Japan all the way down to Indonesia and everywhere in between. So we miss it. Yeah, you know, um, I would have to testify to all the listeners and the viewers and because Asia is such a place whereby um, education is so important to alleviate uh, poverty and you know, as the different countries are powering uh, to a better state of economy um, in this woke uh, 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 state of everyone you know everyone really wants to have a fight in their lives so you know entrepreneurship is so much more important in this era especially so in this disruptive times we're living in either with the disruption of AI or the disruption of the pandemic we're living in very disruptive times so um, Kane and, and Alicia I would like to tell listeners and viewers I'd like to introduce them to you personally um, they are the industry rock stars and they are number one um, as business mentors and I think I can testify to that having sit through their classes and having compared their uh, school of thought and the traditional school of thought of entrepreneurship and business branding and marketing. I can say that, you know, um, traditional school of thought, um, I think we should really destroy that, ladies and gentlemen, you know, and welcome uh, Kane and Alicia to the new brave world of disruption. And, and I think we should really bring on um, your school of thought about entrepreneurship, about building wealth and uh, chartering your destiny um, for yourselves in Asia. I mean, the world has changed so much, but you know, today's uh, uh, interview, there's going to be two parts. I would like to, um, uh, in, uh, you know, ask uh, Kane and Alicia as entrepreneurs yourselves, as a couple. Um, you know, I'd like you to tell us what's your best and worst comeback story, personal or business? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> you know, this is live, right? I'm talking about my show. This is live. We're talking about your life here. Yeah. So the, so the um, our best comeback story, I think, is our pivots that we just did recently. Because, you know, we, we were, a, we're a, a live seminar. We're a transformational uh, training company. So we take um, people and we just change the way they think about yeah. how they create value in the world. And then we teach them how to package it up turn it into businesses and take them from scratch up to six, seven, eight figures, right? And so the craziness of just what went on by transitioning from being a live seminar company, which is what we did, we really wanted to be live with people changing the way they think into a digital or online company. That's been a huge change 
uh, for us. You know, even though we, I mean, we've, I've been involved in online businesses for 20 years. Um, you know, we were in Silicon Valley for 22 years and out of building tech businesses and service businesses. And it was definitely not a new thing, but it's a totally different thing now than it ever has been. And, and you know, um, uh, the comeback, you know, everyone is trying so hard to scramble a new model. Um, you know, it has brought that competition from brick and mortar to a virtual competition. Do you find, um, you know, I would like to pose this question before we go into business questions. Alicia, what is your best and your worst comeback story, personal relationship as a couple? Tell us truthfully as women. <laughs> I know your husband is sitting there. <laughs> well, I think there's, our... no, there's no surprises. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should know these stories already. I think. But I think our best comeback um, story as a couple is actually, you know, going through this last year with two oh. young kids. <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell us. Go to the details. Let us learn something. Well, you know, we. Uh, I was telling you just before we started here, like I was actually. Uh, pregnant just before the pandemic hit like we had a few uh, a baby that was just a few months old when lockdown started and so that definitely put a whole different type of kind of dynamic in our house suddenly having the kids home uh, for a while when the pandemic hit no help and at the same time you know as as a couple that is not just a couple in personal life but in business as well we had to manage both our personal life and our business pivoting at the same time. So I think that was really the best comeback story for us as a couple, how we could actually work together through that time. Yeah. Could you give us, uh, each of you, like a two points to take away from learning their experience? What are the two factors you think um, is necessary for a successful comeback? Sure. Don't have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and then have a pandemic. <laughs> don't have a pandemic. Don't have a baby. Don't go through a pandemic. <laughs> at the same time. It's like, don't get a puppy and have a baby at the same time. That's oh, another one. Oh, yeah. There for <laughs> one. What about Alicia? What about the two um, critical success factors in a successful comeback? Um, well, I think it's very, I mean, especially if we talk about, you know, working in a partnership, whether it's with your husband, with, you know, a business partner, with, you know, sometimes it's a family business where you're working with, you know, a friend or a brother, a sister or something like that. I think it's really keeping the, the flow of communication um, going and very, very high communication. Uh, one thing that I think Kane and I really have that it keeps us very strong is the uh, high communication, like hyper communication that we have together. So yeah. as we go through highs and lows and you know all sorts of stuff in our business and in our, in our life, we can keep actually very aligned because we're constantly communicating um, and okay. sharing what's happening and what do we want to achieve and, and really you know, having that channel open. Okay, that's point number one, communication point two. Yeah, well actually, and, and I'll add to that actually, if you want the second one, which is, I think, so, you know, Leslie and I have run yeah. combined over 40 companies. Yeah. Um, and so we've been doing this since we were young. She started in her first business when she was 19. I started in my first business when I was 19 and a half. So I always remind her I was older than her <laughs> when I got started. <laughs> Which means I started earlier. Yeah, she started earlier. <laughs> but I was more mature by six months. Um, but, um, but you know, the, and we worked in partnerships. We've worked together almost 10 years. 
Um, but prior to that, we had partnerships, we had family businesses and things. So the, mm. the thing that I think when you go through chaotic times or mm. crisis, like what yeah. we've gone through, you have to actually double down in the commitments. Um, you know, it's a very chaotic time and you can go, you start getting- yeah, I mean, you, you go, well, this is a, this opportunity, there's that opportunity, maybe we could do this, and you know, maybe if we did this, and, and you can start to wander, and we actually got very, even more focused on, you know, our vision and our mission and who we were and our, our brand and our, our, you know, our company, like we doubled down in the commitment. And commitment. Okay. Yeah, I mean, even, even in the chaos, we still said, we're gonna stay focused on our vision, even though something might be complex or things are not converting or whatever it is, we're focused. And I think that's very important during times of chaos to stay extremely focused. I would like to ask um, uh, Kane, as a husband, you know, listeners out there, um, you know, what is the one advice? I mean, you talked about commitment. Um, you talked about um, having focus for the business. Uh, and I mean commitment to the, you, you are referring to commitment to the family. Um, what is the one more advice you would give to husbands to keep that relationship alive? Yes, you're under the same roof, you're physically there, you're giving the commitment to the child, to the mother, to the family, and also to your business. But what is the one thing that keeps it spiritually alive with that positive energy, with the, you know, that in, 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 a, in a prolonged lockdown, and we're talking about 14 months now. <laughs> Well, being locked down with this woman in the house for 14 months is not such a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the advice is a, as a husband, I guess it's, I mean, look, this is a complex time. I think anybody that would have said, you know, mm. I got it or I figured out they're full of shit. I mean, I think that everybody kind of went through an extremely new experience of life um, and we had to kind of understand ourselves more. So. I think, you know, it, it was very complex because suddenly a lot of us were thrust into 24 hours a day, seven days a week of something different. We had three, we have three kids um, and we're homeschooling, you know, the, the kids and, you Which know. we would have never yeah. thought before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the schools are all closed. They've been closed for almost a year. We, we were actually in California, it's the Silicon Valley where everything's been closed since wow. last year. California, that's the right spot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even just getting a haircut was tough, you know, getting your nails done. <laughs> You know, it's like it, would, it was just the whole thing. So, I mean, I think, I, I think that it, it does come down to sort of being willing to let go. Um, and of course, with those responsibilities actually became, we became, I became much more domestic and much more family oriented. For the first time, I, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I just, you, you know, even we, we lost all of our help because you couldn't have help coming in and out of the house, right? You know, between nannies yeah. and babysitters wow. and house cleaners and, you know, cooks or whatever we had going on, right? Yeah. Everything was gone. So, yeah, so, you know, I, I think it's that that willingness to, um, to to be committed to each facet of your life and rotate it and not not have one suffer over the other. I think you have to be willing to be multifaceted. Yeah. Um, I mean, those are very politically correct statements. What about sex? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> shit, if you want to go there, lots of it. Yeah. I mean, the best part about being locked down and being at home is, you know, we used to be on the road 200 days a year. We used to be in live seminars. Now we can have sex morning, night, and evening if we want, right? It's much, much easier. Yeah, um, okay. We shall go actually... into, into any takeaway tips from there because I need time for, for the second part. But, you know, your, your business is such a high-quality <laughs> business, right? You are always in a boom, boom, boom state. And now it's almost like in a zoom, zoom, zoom state, right? From the boom, 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 go, go, go. Um, you know, 
I, I think the lockdown has brought a lot of us to be humbled. Uh, you know, um, uh, myself, a person of faith. You know, we try to plan our lives ahead. Always have this calendar plan, and something that you know the whole disruption is is totally destroyed. Your plans, your vision. Um, you know, things that are, are totally changed. I, I would like to ask Alicia uh, and Kane um, in this pandemic lockdown. How much have you grown as a person? Have you reflected your gratitude? And this is the question I always ask in, to all my uh, listeners and viewers, especially when I'm doing uh, 30 episodes about the global pandemic, and then another 28 days day back-to-back live cast on the global pandemic, interviewing people in lockdown. So I like to ask uh, you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, next year, that what is the reflection and the growth, the, the gratitude or the growth that you have done as a person? Can we hear from you? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> well, I think that, um, I mean, it's been a very, very intense experience. And I think that one of the gifts that, you know, emerged from that is really like the gift of closeness with the people that you live with, with your family. I mean, for months, <laughs> these people have been the only ones we have been able to yeah. hang out with. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I find myself, for example, reflecting, I mean, um, our daughter is six years old and last March, March 2020, one day she came home and that afternoon we received a notice that school would be closed. Yeah. And we thought it was just for two weeks and then maybe for a month and, you know, it's been closed essentially ever since. And that's kind of like led us to um, start homeschooling her. And of course, you know, it's it's a very complex journey that you undergo when you when you decide that. But throughout that, one thing that I've been actually, you know, finding myself thinking is, I would have never have so much time with my daughter. I mean, she is almost seven, uh, and I've been with her like, you know, essentially all day long this year. And it would never have happened and I probably will never have that again in the future because she's, you know, growing into this busy, um, you know, expressed, beautiful little girl that is, you know, has friends and interests and classes, etc. So it's been actually uh, a beautiful gift and the same thing, you know, with Kane, I mean, as he was saying, he, you know, we were traveling so much and he was traveling for previews and, you know, it was much more difficult to actually spend so much time in each other presence so i think that's been really the beautiful growth that we all had is learning to really appreciate the people around you and and kind of cutting down the noise cutting down the noise talk about the lockdown in the world what about <laughs> uh what about kane um any any uh two reflection that you have done that have kind of sunk in that we can actually take away also well, I think again, you know, a lot of us uh, went back to our networks because mm, you know, network. prior prior there was a lot of new stimulation of opportunities. Um, we'd be out of conferences, we'd be running conferences, we'd be meeting people at masterminds or guys. So there was a lot of stimulation of new um, opportunities. Once everybody kind of got locked away, I think a lot of us reached out to our friends, and I think a lot mm. of networks opened up. A oh. lot of people that we hadn't talked to. A lot of people. I mean, you know, for those Wonderful. that are listening. We've got another, we got another six months to a year of this minimum. Well, you know, from this date forward. And yeah. so it's a great time to go back into your networks yeah. and your personal connections and call them and, you know, find out what they're doing and see how you can do collaborations. We created more collaborations in the last year than I think we ever have. And 
you, you know, I, I also on the other side, we know that the, by statistics, there was like more divorces in the last year than there had been in the last yes, 10 years. Yes, in Singapore too. Yeah, you know? I mean, I just, I just think that the essence of partnership and collaboration got tested and expanded. So if it was if it was the wrong partnership, if it was the wrong collaboration, it blew apart. Yeah. If it was the right collaboration, the right partnership, it got stronger. Um, and and partnerships that, that one never even thought they would have uh, were getting created. So that so I think what, where we grew actually is we got more engaged with our network, even though we couldn't physically get together. We got more engaged than we ever had been with them on projects and collaborations. Okay, now we're going to the second part of um, of our interview. Um, you know, I've got about like 20 to 30 minutes with you. Um, you, you know, I'd like to hear from, from you. Um, you've got like built, uh, ladies and gentlemen, people who are tuning in, um, you know, we're talking to Alicia and King. They've got 40 companies. They're coaching numerous, numerous, about half a million business owners, entrepreneurs, um, and also um, gone to 32 countries. And you've done 20 years of your life on this. And, and I don't think your face showed the age. <laughs> but you know, my question is... Um, it's the Zoom, how it like just fixes all of <laughs> You're right. Okay, you're right. Okay, I, I've got a couple of questions. Um, you know, you're entrepreneurs and we have this different schools of thought that even the 101 of business, um, we're talking about internal control versus external control. Internal control like an entrepreneur, how much you can really strive for it. Like, you know, what Anthony Robbins says, you know, how much you can strive for it and, and about changing your life, controlling your destiny and releasing the genius uh, within. Um, and, and what about the external control about faith? Um, you know, how God um, plays a part in your life and about successes in business. I think for me, myself, as a person who is deep in faith, I struggle sometimes on this. What's your take on it uh, to the viewers who are listening? And yourself building the business. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so, so just just to be clear on the numbers, we've actually we've we've uh, trained and educated over three million people, and and you said something about three Tony. million. Yeah, yeah. We've we've so we've done thirty two countries. That was a, that was an old statistic. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've had we had about we've had about six hundred thousand people come through our business events. Uh, mm. The rest have come through all sorts of events. We we run personal development events. We run speaking events. Uh, mm. We've spoken on stages with Tony Robbins and Richard Branson, and, so, and then we threw events for them. I mean, we actually co-organized an event in Tel Aviv for uh, for Tony and arranged events with Richard Branson for, in, Singapore, in Singapore. In fact, yeah, we've done a lot in Singapore. Actually, we love we love yeah. bringing great people there because it's just a great audience. People in Asia in general really understand how important education is in investing in themselves um, outside of the traditional system. Um, so what we we tell entrepreneurs is that. Um, that if they really want to excel, they really need to understand that, that their business is a reflection of themselves. So the question is, is how much do we think is designable? We, we believe all of it's designable. In fact, um, our entire company is built upon two things, which is the strategies of what you need to do, but also the foundation of who you are as, an, as a person. Leadership, identity, uh, what you believe. It's like coaching combined with consulting. And that's really what's made us, I think, so famous over the years is that we don't just tackle what to do. We also yeah. have to tackle how do you think? Yeah. Um, so does faith play a part in, in your in your uh, pursuit? Um, I pray a lot. I pray a lot to Alessia because uh, <laughs> she makes me food all day long <laughs> and takes care of me really well when we're at home while we're while we're working. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we have uh, I, I mean, we have a lot of faith and we're very connection to first of all, connection to each other. Um, we really feel like we're soulmates and we have a connection to the universe. 
as a power uh, there. And I think that we've always felt very capable of manifesting and very aligned with the energy of the universe and our own spirituality and our own consciousness. Um, and that's where we felt the most connected uh, with humanity. I mean, you know, I remember when, when, when uh, Alessia gave birth to the, our two kids, we did it at home and we did a hypnobirthing. Uh, we did all, actually, we did all, all the, the, the children were birthed at home. Wow. And it wasn't, we didn't do it alone. So don't, don't, you know, you don't have to be scared. Like we had midwives and nurses there. Okay. Was like, were you too lazy? Did you not want to go to the hospital? Like, no, no, we wanted to do it at home. Um, but you know, one of the things that they say to women in hypnobirthing and in training when you're doing that mm. is to remember all of the women around the world going through birth at the same time oh. and connect to that universal energy to use that strength. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very beautiful way of saying, and I've got another question, like, you know, in the pre-pandemic times, we're already seeing all these global MNCs. Um, they are already going into a huge trend of MNA, merging, downsizing, and you've got companies that just, you've got over, I mean, the last statistic I saw before the pandemic, there were over like um, 5,000 retailers just closed their stores. Um, you know, with the advent of technology, um, not only the technology, but people's uh, lives have changed, the income have changed. Um, it, it's harder for anyone to look for a job. And if there is a traditional job out there, uh, it's out there. I mean, myself as a lecturer before, if it's a job out there, I, tell, I will tell my students like, okay, um, no, don't expect to have a job given to you. I mean, those times and those era is already long gone. And then we're talking about pre-pandemic times. And with the pandemic, everything has accelerated, everything is disrupted. So, so I want um, Kane and Alicia to tell us, in this very disruptive times when any young person, they are going to seek for a job or anyone who is being retrenched, they're going to get a job or getting themselves employed. Um, they find themselves like lost, right? And there are lots of uh, tradition. One school of thought is um, there's a lot of um, uh, get rich fast schemes online, bitcoins etc etc and i'm not saying that they are bad but you know there's a lot of things that says that okay get rich fast and then, so then therefore you've got this uh, 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 i would call it a fast food instagram generation that thing that um, hard work and success uh, comes uh, or i should say success does not come with hard work but i would like your take on my 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 what I've just said about hard work versus success, traditional model of work versus the new post-pandemic model of work. Well, I mean, I think that, I mean, definitely there has been a paradigm shift. You know, the pandemic hasn't just hit us and, you know, locked us home. And then whenever we will open again, everything would be the same. It definitely yeah. changed a lot of things uh, really, you know, in the nature of our connections, of our habits, of um, you know our, our, our trust and our, our you know the way we take action so both as, as consumers and as well of course as business owners so if I would need to I mean to your you know your example like you know there are a lot of young people that are looking for a job uh, I would definitely you know work with them on helping them understand that they each have a gift and um, you know while the rich, uh, you know, get rich quick situation can be a little bit of a dream that you know they might actually have to wake up to. Like, like there is more to that. 
But at the same time, like, you know, they each have a gift and um, you know, right now, as we have said for many, many years, like, you know, job security is, is totally a myth. Um, the only possibility is for them to actually work with their talents, invest in themselves and create something that they will be able to leverage creating assets for themselves. So creating a business, they're really understanding how money works, how, how building wealth works how investing works, etc. And to your point, like hard work versus success, I'm not sure I believe in hard work per se. I think that it's more like really inspired work. Like when inspired you are right, on the right track, you can feel it. And it's not like, you know, people don't work. I mean, everybody has a business, you know, we have worked, we work, we will work, but inspired we do it because work. we have a vision. We have, you know, we actually want to do it. Um, I mean, both Ken and myself have been, you know, uh, in the position to be able to be retired very young. But we do what we do because we love what we do and we feel like we are actually pursuing our mission. And so for young people, I think that's very important because when you actually get onto the right track, you will be working, but you will be working with a completely different energy and relationship to the work that you do. Yeah, and, and you know, um, I would like uh, Kane's take on this. You know, Robert Kiyosaki has already has said many, many times that uh, traditional education is divorced from reality, right? Um, and, and, you know, as schools are now relooking, um, you know, post-pandemic, reimagining education, and that's what Singapore is looking at right now. Big topics at the ministry uh, about reimagining education, traditional education, reimagining university education, you know, there is such a big, uh, I mean, when the crisis hits, right, then you realize, that, hey, we are not prepared for the crisis, we are not prepared for reality. Uh, um, what do you say to um, the traditional uh, uh, mode of teaching, the traditional school of thought about, you know, coming up with prototypes, you know, we've got the accountants, we've got the engineers, and I know with all respect for that, because I've got my degrees and I've got 68 pages of my certificates, but you know, um, in these times like this, disruptive times, we cannot predict what comes next, in, even in the next month. You know, we can't even predict we're going to live. So what do you say about, you know, um, education being divorced from reality? And how, do you, how, do, how does your model fit into something like this that, hey, let's talk about reality. Let's, let's face the reality and let, let's, uh, let's survive and thrive in reality. Yeah, so, um, so my family actually took on this um, conversation. I'm 42, would have been 42 years ago. <laughs> um, <clears throat> my parents actually have a patent in um, child development, brain development for children because they actually saw this problem going on a long time back. And there's a whole story that I won't share about with my sister mm -hmm. that spawned their attention to how um, messed up the traditional education system is. Messed up. <laughs> but uh, so we, we think the traditional education system is, is a disaster. Um, and, I, and, I don't, and I don't mean that by the people that are involved. I think the people involved are, they're very well-meaning. I think that they, they care deeply and, and they're bright and they, they're trying, but I just think the whole system is defunct <clears throat> and that you can have, you know, a, a great race car driver get in a car that just doesn't work and it just, they can never achieve what they're trying to achieve just because the system is all, it's just not the right system. So I don't see it as broken. I just see it's the wrong system for what people are trying to achieve. Um, if you want to learn entrepreneurship, you don't learn to go play tennis. They're just different things. And to think that you can learn to play tennis and then become a great entrepreneur is about as, um, although that's obviously ridiculous, that's about how we look at you know traditional school. 
And one of the interesting experiences that we had during this pandemic is that when our, our we have a 11 year old, a six year old and a two year old now. And when the pandemic started, we had about 10, five and one, whatever. But the, the, the five year old, when she was transitioned to online Zoom school, it just didn't work for her. And so she was in pre-kindergarten, I think at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, obviously we care deeply about our kids and their education is that's what our number one investment in ourselves all year long is our, our own education, our own mentors, our own consultants, our own mastermind groups, which is, you know, we just got back from San Diego from a mastermind group and we're going to another one, you know, in, in, uh, in a week because we're always looking to learn and be around great people. So Leslie said, well, look, I, I'll, I'll back out a little bit from the business right now and I want to, you know, spend the time working with our daughter. Our older son was comfortable on Zoom and our younger son was not involved in school yet. So anyway, so she, so in the, in the six months that, that Alessia was kind of, you know, finding curriculum and, and working with her person and all that, she went from a preschool level to almost a second grade level um, in different things. In fact, she's listening to uh, books right now that are built for seventh grade level, seventh, mm. seventh and eighth grade level. She listens to them on books, you know, she's picked up a new language she already, she's always already bilingually fluent and she's picking up a third. I mean, she also had time for other athletics. So she's become a, an avid uh, figure skater in two months and a gymna gymnast. And we just realized that, the, you know, even though we knew it and we teach it and we talked about it and we've known our whole life, to really see that in our own children, we understood. And I think the biggest mistake everybody makes is they focus on the wrong level of education to really make a difference. So you're not going to make a difference with people in university. Um, it's, it's, too, it's too late. Um, what's going on right now is our, our 11 year old saying, I want to start a business now. And it's not just him, he, all of his friends, you know, we see kids in their preteens and their teenagers saying, I want to learn how to make money. I don't want to learn how to manage my money, run a business. I want to learn how to use the internet. And even our daughter who's six years old with her private tutor. Now they created slime, you know, just from a, from a science perspective. And now they're packaging up and looking at how to sell it. And so to me, entrepreneur teachers, not, not, I mean, the, the, the number one problem is you're getting taught by people who are employees. So they, they can't teach you how to think like, you know, like, um, you know, out of the box thinking and entrepreneurs, they don't know themselves and they do the best job they can, but they don't, they don't know it themselves. It's like going to a mechanic to learn how to do surgery. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Like, you know, going to a class and listening to a professor talking about entrepreneurship. I mean, it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit into a class and listen to you when you have not been through the fire and come out like a phoenix. So, you know, I, I would like to hear um, uh, a couple of more questions so to take another five minutes from you because I know your time is valuable. Um, and my, my, my videos are watched by the ministers because I know I was an educator before. Um, I, I would like to hear, like, now you're invited um, to, uh, uh, you know, give an explanation or a pitch um, to actually revamp and reimagine traditional education. So, because we know that traditional education in this pandemic times have failed us, right? Uh, have failed us. Uh, and also through a lot of things like what Elon Musk has said, you know, um, uh, you know, you if you get a university degree, you know, I mean, it doesn't prove anything at all, which is right. I mean, a lot of people can't survive out in the world right now. Uh, it just gets you a foot in the outside world. Uh, I would like you to hear from Kane or Alicia, like if you were to be invited to be a panel of advisor to take on to like changing the traditional educational system that you know Singapore is so proud of you know in traditional way just coming up with people that 
to get the to get the goal, right? Always getting hundreds for spelling to for the spelling bee, <laughs> you know, getting the hundred and getting the the, the watts and all this, you know. But you know, in this dis- disruptive times, we're we're talking about different things. A spiritual acumen, a business acumen that goes beyond just learning the root. Uh, what would you say, uh, uh, Kane and Alicia, if you have this? platform that says that hey let's reimagine education let's implement my successful uh, 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 model into it and make people successful what are the things that you would say well I mean again uh, if there is something that the last year has told us I mean you know again we we, 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 we knew that we thought that we uh, you know, we kind of shared those thoughts uh, even before, but the last year has been like a practical experience, really, yes, really intense, so just like level. many other people. It's been that, uh, you know, even inside our, our household having, you know, we have three kids, but really two that are going through education right now. Again, the last one is a little bit too young. And even here being, you know, being in the same um, you know household, coming from the same environment and listening to the same conversations all day long, these two kids are as different as they can be, yeah. both in their uh, in the methodology that they like to engage yeah. in the way they learn best, yeah. in the things they, they actually excel and they're passionate about. And so I feel like the traditional education, one of the problems is that it tries to fit everybody into a box. And instead of teaching kids and, and therefore then people to actually know themselves and think for themselves, they teach them to be like circus animals, like, you know. Um, circus animals. <laughs> yeah, they, they respond to certain stimulus in a certain way and they get praises for that. But, um, you know, they can actually show off a test. They can repeat a poem. They can, yeah. uh, you know, show, but really it's empty inside. Yeah, yeah I, you, what you, happened you, you, the, hit it, you hit the nail on the head, you hit the nail I on mean, the what head. happens during the pandemic is that the box gets removed. There is no box anymore. Like, we don't even know, as you say, what happens tomorrow. And so everybody that has learned to perform a little task repeatedly, like that's, that's how I am a good contributor, just by doing this thing over and over. They find themselves without actually any, you know, any container anymore. So they say, it was just like the circus is gone. So now what do I do? How do I like, what, who is, who am I? How do I contribute when there is nobody telling me what to do? So I think that that's the main thing. I mean, for our kids has been really discovering their strengths and getting to know themselves and by removing them from the educational system, especially our 11 year old who has been inside the educational system longer it has taken him uh you know a few months to actually be able to start to connect with his own passion his own interests etc because he was so used to being told what to do at any given time and what to do in order to actually get that experience of being good and of of actually you know being praised for a behavior so it's taken some time to actually undo that um, and help cover instead how to be himself and be proactive so you have actually observed that and consciously kind of fine-tune that change which of course in in a big massive engine um, or a big massive machine like in a country it's really hard for an individual or a system right to actually change it to be an individualistic tailored 
customized kind of education. I mean, this is the main is thing is really shifting from um from from actually um. Uh, you know, putting the 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 the, the focus and, and really putting the value on the performance to putting the value on teaching them how to think, and okay. as well, you know, again as we said before, like bringing experts into the you know into the school. Like if they are teaching entrepreneurship, bringing entrepreneurs. If they are teaching like whatever, like the kids need to be actually connected with the real world, not with somebody that is kind of like a gatekeeper to the real world. So, so this is a, this is the fundamental problem with traditional education that, I, that I'm saying, and this is a, these are brilliant observations. Um, it's funny because we talk about this all day long, but when we get when we get interviewed, it's actually lovely to hear um, some of her perspectives because they come out differently. And <laughs> she's never said that before. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> um, but but you know the, the, this is a this this is the fundamental thing that I that I believe won't it won't ever change is when you go through school you're you're given a system and and they say this is how it works and so kids learn that there's a system of how it works and they don't they don't learn that they can create their own system for how things work and so I think that um, there's no point in trying to if we were going to pitch the ministry. I wouldn't say let's try to change or fix the educational system. I, it's, I don't think it's, it's not, it's not a possibility. I think there's other things that could be more valuable, which is let's stop wasting the kids' time with subjects that are really not that important as adults. I mean, I'm sorry, but we spend a lot of time inside of certain math or um, sciences or history or things that really just are not that important. And and comedians all over the world will make jokes about how we learn a whole bunch of stuff that we don't care about. Adults will tell you how much stuff they learn that they don't ever use or care about. And I think the old uh, approach of making a well-rounded human being uh, has essentially created all these academic studies that nobody cares about. If somebody really wants to study the history of Western civilization, they'll do that on their own. Um, but I think there's more important things like managing money, um, being creative, uh, leadership, uh, social skills, and those are the things that should be getting started in early stage elementary yeah. schools and yeah. building up because those are the skills that are actually important. And the other stuff, people can now research if they're interested in it. If somebody loves art or if they love, I don't know, if they love what's a chemistry or they love things. Um, you know, and, and we, went, we, we went through very top universities and very top academic backgrounds, but I could always, I always would say, I mean, I dropped out of two universities Although I went to top universities, I studied electrical engineering and then I went to a top music school uh, called Berkeley. But I, I, I went and I said, this is what I wanna learn. I ignored the classes I, that they said, you have to take these for your degree. And I said, I don't care about my degree. I wanna learn what I wanna learn and then I'm gonna go apply that with what I wanna do in my life. And at 20 years old, I ended up starting a company. And the one thing that I think they need to teach that kids don't get out of school is they learn that there's this absolute system and they go to school to learn. It's not true. You find mentors to learn school gives you exposure to things you know in our trainings we expose people to principles and ideas and concepts that we have decoded but then if they really want to get results they need to go find people and the one thing school never says is hey when you get out of here you're going to go hire an endless amount of consultants and advisors <laughs> and mentors you're gonna you're gonna go try to find the best people in the world to get them on your team for the rest of your life nobody ever said that so we think we get to a school and then we're done, we're educated and we're gonna go make something of ourselves. And it's absolutely not true. You actually know nothing about life and you then need to go find experts and great people and get them on your team. So we're just missing a lot of these values and these lessons yeah. in traditional education that make all the difference. And, and I think you have said it uh, beautifully, uh, Kane and Alicia, um, you know, uh, particularly about traditional schools. 
and also you said something um, earlier on in the beginning that you know it's too late by the time someone has gone to the university and it's too late if someone is now in the pre in the middle of pandemic and they find that themselves like out of a job it, it is really too late for them to reinvent themselves it is so you know it makes someone, it makes yeah. no sense to teach kids about money because they never go to university because they understand that the return on the investment for university makes no sense. You start mm. training kids in concepts of like return on investment and money and entrepreneurship early on, mm. you're going to find that kids are going to investments. Yeah, you know, yeah, I never they're going to go find specialists exactly, in their area. Exactly, yeah. And that's and, actually and, what we have designed our our kids education around now. So what we do is we hire them specialists mm. in areas they focus on those and then they spend their days doing things that they love to do, whether it's sports, mm. whether it's social stuff, whether it's entrepreneurship. Like we want to train them that a majority of their day should be doing the things that they're passionate about. Achieving, we're very big on achievement. We're competitive. We train them to be competitive and achieve at the highest levels. But if that's in dance, if that's in singing, if that's in you know something somatic or something language oriented, it's not what school tells you to achieve at. It's not because you can get a better score on a math test. Right. I mean, I think at the core, the difference between the traditional school and what we actually designed and what we see actually working is that instead of focusing on specific, especially very early, there is this over focus on specific, you know, skills that they need to be mastered. And again, they need to be proved on tests, etc., and they need to do homework. While uh, one thing that we've seen is that when uh, the any activity actually fosters that love for learning, I mean, we know now that we, were, we are never done with learning. You know, again, you know, look at, at what happened this year, even us, even having, you know, a very established company and, you know, 20 years of experience in entrepreneurship, we found ourselves having to actually learn new systems, learn new ways to 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 actually run our company, learn new way to, um, you know, do partnerships, do, learn new ways to serve our markets, completely new. Learning is never ending. And so the idea is that I think we should actually foster that, lear that love of, for learning so that anything that comes up over the, the course of their life that they want to learn, they actually have that positive connection, that enthusiasm, that confidence that they can actually learn it successfully because they have learned that, you know, they've learned a system for learning, not so much the, the, the specific notion. I mean, I don't think it's that important. What age do they start, like, do they learn to read or what age? I mean, to a certain extent, like, you know, as, as adults, who knows what age you started to learn to read or what age came, uh, you know, started to read. It was very early. Like, you know, it doesn't make any difference as adults. What makes a difference is learning a successful way to approach learning so that mm -hmm. as, you know, as life changes and, and, and new situations are thrown at you, you have a system to actually be able to take on whatever new journey you decide to take on confidently and with a good system to actually succeed at that. Yeah, I like, I like the point whereby you say, um, you know, you are competitive parents and obviously you are, right? And, and I mean, we're, not, we're talking about very competitive people in Asia, people who are very multi-talented, multitaskers, always trying to compete. You know, this is a place whereby it is overpopulated. If you want to go up there, you need to compete to the ranks. Um, yeah, but, but there's, how a, there's you, a value but, system that's very difficult for people around entrepreneurship and it's failure. So yeah. the values in Asia, because, you know, we've spent now almost 10 plus years yeah. 
training tens of thousands of business owners, yeah. coming there constantly, having offices there, having meals, dinners. Like yeah. I, you know, we're not Asian, obviously, but we've spent I think almost almost more time in that culture than almost any other culture outside of our own yeah. culture. Yeah. And there's just this, you know, this, you know, pride. Like, can I fail? Like, you know, the, yes. what are my parents going to think? And yes. you know, you know, all, all these like, and and those values need to start to get oh. transitioned. Okay. Right. And so one of the things that I think could be spent more time on if you want to talk about education is to educate parents educate about parents. how to engage. See, the, 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 the biggest challenge with parents is they think that they know the way their kids should grow up and they don't. They have no mm. idea. Mm. Um, and so although, you know, I guess their job is to make sure that they make sure that their children. I mean, we, we look at actually as parenting, our, we have two jobs, make sure they stay alive and make sure they eat, which maybe kind of comes into the same thing, right? That's it, everything else is like, you know, just optional gravy, it's, you know. And so parents get, they constantly disrupt their children's mm -hmm. lives in the exploration of who they are and what they need to express in the world. And they, they create this little beaten up soul, crushed soul. Yes, that, and there's that something that I wanted to ask, like, you know, you have such a system now that's true, uh, the, you know, what has been thrown out there, uh, the, the school of thought about the tiger moms and the tiger dads, you know, they, it's, a, it's a very Asian uh, a con, like it's a very Asian uh, uh, concept, you know, and, and how, uh, especially so uh, in very competitive Asia, um, you know, uh, you know, Singapore is competing, Japan, China, we're always at the, like, the top two of the OECD pizza ranking in the world. Um, you know, you put, the 15 year olds into this hot housing and then you make them like beat them up and all you know what, what's your thought on these tiger moms tiger dads and tiger schools that they do want the students to come through a very stringent uh, uh systems i would call it the classical systems uh, uh very stringent systems and yet they make it as doctors and yet, of course, these are what uh, Robert Kiyosaki hates most to say, okay, these are the people, they are the poor dads. So, you know, how do you, how do you as parents now uh, balance between making your kids really competitive and if they were slacken and, and if they say, no, mom, I just want to be an artist. I want to be a poor artist that is just like drawing on, on the sidewalk of a Paris cafe or, or, you know, on the Rome's cafe on the floor. I mean how do you as parents balance that you want to be competitive but yet there's this other thing about you know being the tiger dad's tiger mom that you know the pitfall of that the control i mean as, as parents i think there is a very important um uh, you know distinction which is that uh, you know we have our life and the things that we might uh, have achieved we might have wanted to achieve and maybe missed Mm -hmm. And then there is our kids' life, and a lot of parents try to make things right in their life. Yes, their yes. So they try to actually achieve things that they haven't been able to achieve themselves through their kids, putting a lot of responsibility on these kids because you know they they actually in the you know with all the, the, the like you know the, the little um, conversation of you have so many more opportunities than I had when I was a child and if I would have had your opportunities you know maybe I would have made it yes the reality is that they actually put a lot of responsibility on these kids so you know as parents it's very important to do your own work and work on on yourself and understanding you know 
again, you know, you you asked at the beginning of this this interview, you know, uh, 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 the best comeback story yes. and the worst comeback story. And as we was talking about thinking about that, I thought I can't think about the worst comeback story because the reality is that every story, even the stories, even the failures, actually the failures more than you know the successes many times, you know, taught us something. You know, there, it was an opportunity to actually learn and to really you know get us closer to where we wanted to to come but for a lot of people they don't see that so um they see their failures as failures and then they looked at their kids and say i need to make sure that they don't make these mistakes that they don't go through i need to make sure that they succeed in what i failed on and this is i think a very important thing that they need to learn that you know there are two different things there are two different people now in terms of being competitive we're very competitive for sure and one of the uh, one of the values that we share with the kids is that it doesn't matter what they decide to do but they owe it to themselves to do whatever they decide to do at a very high level a very high quality being a contributor in the world at a high level it doesn't matter whether they decide to be an artist they can be great contributors to the world as an artist they can be great contributors dancers and just like they can be as bankers if that's what they want to do but whatever they decide to do do it with a mission and really do it you know in in, in a very invested way not just casually that's one of the the, the distinctions we actually share with them like whatever you do do it with you know your whole heart and your whole commitment as we were saying before like double up on the commitment and really you know make sure you understand how you can take that to the next level and then it doesn't really matter what they do yeah just being excelling in the things that you decided to to do that you put your heart and your soul to excel in a particular space and and unlike what uh kane has said earlier about crashing the spirit you know i i feel that you know as now we evaluate myself as an educator for 20 years as now I'm coming out from the educational system, being and two sides of the coin now, you know, I think what traditional uh, education does is that uh, um, it, it kind of wants all this, even in a governmental system, in, in any country, they, they just want the kids to um, put their heads down, keep quiet and do their work and not make a noise. I, I think that's the objective of every paid educator like, you know, you come into the class and don't make your noise and just put your heads down. And that's that's how I, I see Asia is coming up. Uh, you know, if everyone... Uh, you need to look at the, the, the system's yeah. motivations. Yeah. And that's that's why I'm saying that there's no point in trying to revamp <clears throat> or reimagine the yeah. the traditional system. It, it's, it's, it just doesn't work. It doesn't and, work. And part of it is, is if you get in deeper into it, <clears throat> you're trying to correct the surface stuff, like what should we teach or what should we do. Yeah. That, but the, the entire system is driven by motivations and values that don't make any sense. So their businesses, <laughs> the schools are businesses. Yeah. They, they need to show marks, statistics, they need to show data. So the organization is driven mm. around mm. demonstration of certain mm. achievement. <clears throat> you know, the, the, the values in the, in the room, just like in, in businesses. In business, <clears throat> we know that it's more valuable to work with our top tier people and make mm. them the most successful than to spend time with the lower mm. tier people. Okay, yes. The yeah. classic yeah. error that I'm yeah. Let the ducks be the ducks. Let the eagles yeah, be the eagles. 
they spent they exactly they spend time with their strugglers to try to make them better when yeah. the best value is to spend time with the already pretty great make them stronger and in school they can't do that you, you know you take a student who's already excelling well in the subject they ignore them and they start to focus on those that are struggling with the subject that's who gets the most attention so the entire design of the system just will never work Mm. Um, and so we, I, that's what I'm saying that I think that instead of trying to correct the system, mm. we need to just enter in um, earlier stage skills and values mm. that are different, which is make sure that you are doing things you're happy about. Make sure you're doing the things you love. <clears throat> because again, from a parental system, parents, especially in Asia, but it's not just in Asia, you know, I, I love how you know we, we go across, we, we mentioned people from 80 countries and and we've done so many millions of people that have you know and probably literally hundreds of thousands come up to us and have conversations over the years shaking their hands and all sorts of different cultures and countries and thousands and thousands of telephone calls and meetings and zoom meetings with students and clients and people across the world everybody thinks that it's specific to their culture their issue their oh well asians are like this and it's not really everybody and, and maybe some slighter intensity but, but you know the the, the New Yorkers, you know, my friends who grew up in New York, I grew up in Chicago here in the States. Parents there are insanely competitive. They want their kids in school. They're having tutors on the weekends and after school education programs. Wow. And they want their kids competing for the top spots. And of course, we're a very mixed society here. America is, nobody's American. Everybody's here from all over the world. So yeah. we have, you know, we're competing against, you know, students from Asia yeah. here in the States. That, you know, yeah. So it's just, it's a very competitive environment. But the point is yeah. that the values of the parent mm drive the thing and the, the question is, is how are you measuring success mm. and we measure success differently we just alessia and i both grew up in very wealthy families we've always been surrounded by wealth we've been millionaires since we were in our 20s and so we just don't measure success by money we don't see you go through school to get great marks to get into a great university in order to get a great job in order to make more money like, who gives a shit? we don't care because you, you can't take your money with you and so to us, the people that have spent their lives looking at what makes a human life worth living, which is definitely like someone like Tony or someone like us, or even people that you don't really know, you know, this woman who wrote the book called The Five Habits or The Five Regrets of the Dying. And she said that the biggest regrets that humans were making is that they didn't live the life they wanted. They didn't, they didn't have, they didn't take their time. I mean, I just say at the end of our lives, and I think that's for our children, what are they going to reflect upon? Are they going to reflect upon how much money they made? Or are they going to reflect upon how fulfilled they were? And they don't need to be mutually exclusive. You don't need to have a fulfilling life and be broke. It's this this old adage of you'll be a broke artist. I was a very highly paid artist. <laughs> I was a record producer for Sony. I was a performing artist. And to this day, if I'm going to go perform or do music or anything, I'll get paid more than anybody I know. And so this adage of you have to either do what you love and get paid nothing or do traditional stuff and get paid is really what we break. And Alessia and I, over the last 10 years, since we've had so many people, so many brains that we've picked, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people personally, our next book is actually on exactly that, is what is the, what is the identities and the, the psychology that's going on for people since they're getting trained by employees in traditional systems and traditional thinking? What are the breakthroughs that they have to have? We gave a lecture on this a couple of years back at Harvard and we started to Very share good. some of that science that we're going to be publishing in our next book, which is becoming the, the foundation of our seminars and our workshops, which is probably why you liked it so much, because we don't just talk about yeah. what you need to do. We're talking about the breakthroughs that you have to yeah. have. And, and, and I like uh, your sister. Isn't your sister a sister-in-law? 
I like my sister as well. Well, she's not. She's not a sister in law to me. No, no. I mean, both of you plus her. I mean, she's power. I mean, she's fierce.、Yeah. I mean, well, like... and, and, and Corey, Corey, she is power. She, she's a, a, she was our CEO, and then she's now、yeah. founded a product-based company where she's、yeah. helping product business owners.、Yeah. We're working with her on that as well. And, and the point is that she's actually an amazing、uh, yeah. story on this because she was told at seven or eight or nine years old in the traditional school system that、yeah. she was not smart enough to ever really achieve anything extraordinary yeah. by teaching. And, yeah, and that kind of crushes the spirit. And, and that is something that I think. Uh, 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 to echo you 100%, 101% is that、um, you know the traditional system just crushes you. It just, I mean, and and it stops you from thinking about yourself. It just wants you to be one of the prototypes that comes out from the system. It makes the yeah, job and, easy, and right? To, to tie that story together. She was told she would never really achieve. She was told she'd never be able to go to university. She was told she'd never be significant in anything. And she went on to launch a hundred brands across the world and do a billion dollars in sales in in these brands. So, the traditional system has really no idea what they're talking about.、Yeah. <laughs> It's all good-meaning people, smart people that mean well, but the system doesn't work. So that, yeah, that's why、yeah. that's why you have people like us. So we we've spent our last twenty years. Decoding the systems that do work and the people that have been rebels and renegades and wanderers and gypsies and you know that's that's who we are and that's who we that's who we cater to. My my favorite line from any movie is when they interviewed Queen Freddie Mercury and they said why you guys and they said because we're a bunch of misfits playing to the misfits in the room and that's kind of who we are as entrepreneurs. We're a bunch of misfits never fit in anywhere never did and we're we talk to those who never fit in anywhere. Goes up. Yeah. The rebels, the renegades, the gypsies, the wanderers, the thinkers, the dreamers—that's who finds us because they want to understand how to have a powerful life, you know, with that that kind of thinking. Yeah. So to wrap this up, thank you so much.、Um, you know, I would like to to make my final comment. You know, they are developing the vaccines, right? About the R and RNA. You know what? Can they kind of extract some of your DNA and put in there? <laughs> <laughs> Okay.、Um, last fifteen、uh, seconds,、uh, Alicia and Kate, to say、um, anything and to say goodbye. And thank you so much, guys. Last fifteen seconds. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And、uh, we hope that this message and your message continues to make a huge difference all over the world、yeah. for people. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm looking. In fact, you know.、Um, Uh, not to let you go so fast.、Um, I'm really looking to have a collaboration with you in Singapore and or Asia.、Um, I'm I'm looking to collaborate with having this uh, uh, regional sending the video for a pitch、um, over the Zoom. You're sending the videos, and you know you guys can be judges, part of the panel, or part part of the collaboration. I thank you so much, industry rock stars and ladies and gentlemen, rock stars. They are. Kane and Alicia,、um, thank you so much, and let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. So all the best to you,、um, and may the whole world,、um, mankind, cross over the chasm safely, and、uh, may the world see a brand new kind of uh, uh, emergence of humanity that comes up. Thank you, Kane and Alicia. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you, Vicky. Bye. Bye. Bye.